when he saw Jezebel and the people who were working for her massacring the prophets of God. He said, man, we're going to go protect them. And you realize that Obadiah did that because he feared God. He feared God more than he feared the queen or the king. He was risky because of it. He could have sacrificed his life for doing that. But he was willing to step on out because he feared God. And we always need to remember that fearing God will provoke our lives to live differently. From heights to spiders to darkness, people are afraid of all kinds of things. Today, Pastor Daniel shares that many people are afraid of what others think. In today's study, you'll explore how Obadiah broke free from the fear of others and did what the Lord wanted. He put what God thought over the opinions or mandates of people. This caused him to live differently, to take risks and do what he knew was right despite the possible consequences. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in 1 Kings chapter 18 as he begins his message, Speaking Truth to Power. So I realize that everybody is a little bit different, but I have always been somebody who's got a big mouth. I know it's a shocker. Everyone's just like shocked. But what's so funny is, is being somebody with a big mouth. Now, what's funny is, is my bride, Lynn, is seriously uh, reserved. She's so kind, not the loudest person, but we have three kids at home and all of them have big mouths. They all speak their mind. And what's funny is, is our youngest Annabelle, who's six right now, we always like to joke because Annabelle is so much like me that like, it's almost like she's telling you off. She's not trying to tell you off, but she's got such a little cute, face and, and but she's got such a big mouth and sometimes just walk away and be like Annabelle you can't say that that way she's like dad what, what do you mean I was just telling you what what I what I needed but I'm like it sounds like you're yelling at me she's like well I'm not yelling at you but I don't think that you're listening dad you know and, and it's so funny because you know as somebody who's got a big mouth and when you have people in your little people in your house who have big mouths it's just such a it's a unique experience but listen our words are important aren't they and especially our words are important in situations where things are wrong. Somebody needs to speak up. And, you know, we live in a day and age now, especially in a, in a social media culture, where everybody can kind of yell into that megaphone of social media. And in some ways, it's a really good thing. Because in a lot of ways, things need to be addressed when things are wrong. You know, in, in our culture right now, there's a reckoning going on in all these different areas, whether it's kind of with race relations and, 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 and systemic racism. We see it going on with uh, overreaching government and some of those things. We see it going on in the dynamics between men and women, especially as it relates to the workplace and, and dynamics, uh, uh, power dynamics and all these different things. And, and we really want our words to be glorifying to God and really to allow our words to have a positive impact on the world in which we live. You see, I believe that God created everything perfectly. And because of the fall, everything kind of fell apart. And part of the work of what Jesus has done by redeeming us is to begin to re-put together society in such a way that it can be better than it was before. 
And, you know, as we've been doing this crisis series, as we've been looking at the life of the prophet Elijah, we, we are going to be continually seeing Elijah and King Ahab and, and the conflict that they're having. Ahab as the king of Israel, right? The person in power and Elijah as not in power at all, but being God's mouthpiece into the midst of it. And in a lot of ways, the church has a responsibility to the Lord to be prophetic and into our community and our world, to, to speak in from God's perspective about different things. Now, in a lot of ways, what we find is that when people seek to speak truth into power, oftentimes the power just doesn't want to hear it. They can just oppress it or whatever they want to do. But it's so important because the Bible has so much to say about things that are going on in our world today. And today we're going to look at this idea of what does it mean to speak the truth to power. And we're going to see it very much in the life of the prophet Elijah. So in order to get at that today, I want you to open up your Bibles. First Kings chapter 18. We're going to be taking verses 1 to 19 together. First Kings 18 verses 1 to 19. Now, I realize that many of you, you haven't read the Bible before. Maybe you have a physical Bible, or maybe you're opening up another browser window, or you're opening up the Crossroads mobile app, and now what you put in 1 Kings 18. Uh, but if you're looking for it in the Bible, it's pretty easy to find. You see in my Bible here, it's in about the first, I don't know, like quarter of the Bible. And 1 Kings sits between the book of 2 Samuel and then the book of 2 Kings. So if you're flipping in the beginning, you see 1 Samuel, 2 Samuel, 1 Kings, 2 Kings, pretty easy to find. And then we're here, of course, in verse 18, or chapter 18, and it says this, picking up in verse 1, it says, and it came to pass after many days that the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year saying, go and present yourself to Ahab and I will send rain on the earth. And so Elijah went to present himself to Ahab, and there was a severe famine in Samaria. And Ahab had called Obadiah, who was in charge of his house. Now, Obadiah feared the Lord greatly, for so it was while Jezebel massacred the prophets of the Lord that Obadiah had taken 100 prophets and hidden them 50 to a cave and had fed them with bread and water. And Ahab said to Obadiah, go into the land to all the springs of water and to all the brooks. Perhaps we may find grass to keep the horses and mules alive so that we will not have to kill any livestock. And so they divided the land between them to explore it. Ahab went one way by himself and Obadiah went another way by himself. Now, what we find here is Elijah gets another word from the Lord. It's time for him to go back to Ahab in Samaria and present himself to Ahab and share the word that God has given him. Now, I think it's important to make sure I make this point as we start is that sometimes we have this tendency to think that a prophet always has, like God is always speaking to the prophet. But really, when you look at the life of Elijah, we see God speaking in specific times, and then there are huge gaps. We're not that Elijah isn't having a relationship with the Lord, but God isn't giving him a specific word. I mean, you think of the prophet Jeremiah. All of Jeremiah's life, 
you know, he only got X number of words. And I think that's an important reminder for us when we speak about the gift of prophecy. It's not like a prophet always has a word from the Lord. God gives specific words at specific times. And now there's been, it's been three years have passed, it says. And the famine was very, very severe. And then it says, the scene shifts now to Samaria in verse three. It says, and Ahab had called Obadiah, who was in charge of Ahab's house. And now Obadiah feared the Lord greatly, for so it was while Jezebel massacred the prophets of the Lord that Obadiah had taken 100 prophets and he had hidden them 50 to a cave and he had fed them with bread and water. And in a lot of ways, I want to start by, by learning from the testimony of this man, Obadiah. And it's simply this, you and I, we need to fear the Lord. We need to fear the Lord. Why? Because Obadiah worked in Ahab's house. He was actually in charge of his house. And so, you know, in a lot of ways, this man Obadiah, and this isn't the same Obadiah who we know as the prophet Obadiah, who's smallest book in the Bible, uh, the, the prophet Obadiah, just one chapter. But this man Obadiah, he feared God, but he was over King Ahab's house. In a lot of ways, he was in a stewardship role reminiscent of Joseph. Remember when Joseph had authority over Potiphar's house in the same way as Joseph ended up as he ascended in the nation of Egypt, you know, where, where the Pharaoh was, was the top, but Joseph really ran the house. Obadiah has the same function. But remember, Ahab was an evil king, right? But notice it says here that although this man Obadiah, you know, uh, was in charge of his house, it says, now Obadiah feared the Lord greatly. And, and this is an important reminder because I think sometimes as Christians, we can think that as a Christian, I can only use the skills that I have only within the church. And, and in a lot of ways, everywhere that you are, you want to fear the Lord and function in society. God wants the church as salt and light to be in the world. And it is not like we see it in, with the prophet Daniel as he served King Nebuchadnezzar and the subsequent kings and also the kings of the, the, the Medo-Persian empire. You know, we should as believers seek the good in people's lives and not, oh, we won't always have great bosses, but because they're a bad boss doesn't mean we shouldn't serve them well. And I love this because really this man, Obadiah, and, and I lo- obviously I love the name if you know me at all. My oldest child, his name is Obadiah. And I love my son, Obadiah. And I love what the name Obadiah means. It's two words together. It's the word ebed, which literally means servant or worshiper. And then Iyah, so it means servant of God. So when we named our son Obadiah, our only hope was that this young man would be a servant of God. And now as he's getting older, he's in his teenage years, and he's a good dude, and he loves the Lord, and and he's willing to serve the Lord. And we pray every single day that our own Obadiah, like the Obadiah we find here in 1 Kings chapter 18, that he would fear the Lord. Now, because Obadiah feared the Lord, Notice he did certain things that were not what maybe his boss would have wanted, but what he needed to do. Listen to what it says. It says in verse four, for so it was while Jezebel massacred the prophets of the Lord that Obadiah had taken 100 prophets and hidden them 50 to a cave and it fed them with bread and water. So King Ahab's wife Jezebel as she was seeking to overrun the land with worship of Baal, 
Obadiah saw this, he feared the Lord, and he protected a hundred of the prophets, and he broke them up, 50 in one cave, 50 in another cave, and he made sure that they were taken care of. Now, here's what you need to realize, that the Bible teaches that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and when we fear God, it causes us to live and act differently. Listen to what Jesus said himself, Matthew chapter 10, verse 28. He says, do not fear those who can kill the body but cannot kill the soul, but rather fear him who is able to destroy both body and soul in hell. Now, I think that one of the greatest issues we have as followers of Jesus is that we fear other people more than we fear the Lord. That we'd rather be well-liked than live lives that are well-pleasing to God. And if that's you right now, if you're like, yep, that's me right now. Listen, I want you to turn to the Lord and say, Lord, I am so sorry. I want to teach me how to fear you, Lord. Teach me how the joy of fearing. I remember there was a great book came out years and years and years ago. The joy of fearing God. And I remember I saw that book and I'm like, I need to read that book. And I'm like, I'm I'm guessing a lot of people wouldn't pick this book up. I mean, you go into a a bookstore and you're like, hey, man, you got this book, The Joy of Fearing God. You got another thing, you know, Live Fabulously or whatever it is. Of course, people today want to live fabulously. But the beginning of wisdom is to fear God. And I always like to remind people that fearing God is not complicated. I believe we really fear God in two ways. One, we fear God because God is is the judge of all the earth. God is the only person before whom you either stand or fall. Like, listen, your spouse or your family or your teacher or your boss, they can have all sorts of beliefs about you. But really the only person's opinion that matters, the only person whose judgment that matters is the Lord. Because all those other people, they can just kill the body, but they can't touch the soul. But God, as Jesus said, he can take, he can kill both the body and soul in hell. So, so what everybody else thinks, because God is the judge, he's the only person whose opinion really matters. And so we should fear that our lives are well-pleasing to the Lord. And, and as somebody who fears the Lord, and we know that we live before him, and we know that our lives are, are, are going to be judged by him, and he's going to weigh our lives, and he's going to pass judgment on our lives, one, because we fear him, that that changes the way we look at things. We say, listen, I don't want to do this because I fear the Lord. Right? I, I fear God's judgment just in the same way. If, if you're driving and you see a police officer on the side of the road, right? You slow down. Why? Because that police officer can pull you over, right? So you fear their authority. And God has so much more authority than even a, a, a human officer. And so we fear God's authority. But not only do we fear God's authority to be able to judge us and send us to hell, but we also fear breaking God's heart because of the relationship that he bought for us through Jesus. And and in a lot of ways, we should spend time saying, Lord, I fear breaking your heart. I fear grieving your spirit. And I think if we did that, we would make a lot different decisions. Like this man, Obadiah, when he saw Jezebel and the people who were working for her massacring the prophets of God, he said, man, we're going to go protect them. And you realize that Obadiah did that because he feared God. He feared God more than he feared the queen or the king. He was risky because of it. He could have sacrificed his life for doing that. But he was willing to step on out because he feared God. And we always need to remember that fearing God will provoke our lives to live differently. Now, what we find going on in this moment, because we see this man, Obadiah, and what a great testimony. He works for this terrible king. He's protecting prophets against a murderous queen. And he's well-respected by, by his boss. Ahab is sending him out. They divided the land between them, and Obadiah and Ahab were going out. They were going to the springs of water, to the brooks, and they were looking for grass 
to be able to keep the horses and mules alive. Because at this point, the famine and the drought and the no rain and the no dew that's been going on for years is so severe that they're running out of just grass to feed the animals. And at some point, if they don't have any grass to feed the animals, they have to kill all the animals because they can't keep them alive. And so they're at that, the apex of the crisis point of what is going on. And so, so Ahab is going in one direction and then Obadiah is going in another direction and they're both by themselves. And then look at what happens. Verse seven. Now it says, as Obadiah was on the way, suddenly Elijah met him and he recognized him and he fell on his face and he said, is that you, my Lord, Elijah? And he answers says, it is I. Go and tell your master, Elijah is here. So he said, how have I sinned that you are delivering your servant in the hand of Ahab to kill me? As the Lord your God lives, there is no nation or kingdom where my master has not sent someone to hunt for you. And when they said he is not here, he took an oath from the kingdom or nation that they could not find you. And now you say, go tell your master Elijah is here. And it shall come to pass as soon as I am gone from you that the spirit of the Lord will carry you to a place I do not know. So when I go and tell Ahab and he cannot find you, he will kill me. But I, your servant, have feared the Lord from my youth. Was it not reported to my Lord what I did when Jezebel killed the prophets of the Lord? How I hid 100 men of the Lord's prophets, 50 to a cave and fed them with bread and water. And now you say, Go tell your master Elijah, he will kill me. Then Elijah said, as the Lord of hosts lives before whom I stand, I will surely present myself to him today. And so Obadiah went to meet Ahab and told him, and Ahab went to meet Elijah. Now, can you imagine this? Obadiah and Ahab are out looking for water and all of a sudden Elijah shows up. Right. And Elijah shows up and Obadiah, because he fears the Lord and he works in the king's house, he knows who this guy is. And he says, is that you, Elijah? He says it is. And he falls on his face before him. He realizes a mighty prophet. This is the prophet who declared that there was going to be no rain. This is the person who King Ahab has been hunting for. He says, yeah, it's totally me. He says, go tell your master Elijah's here. And then Obadiah's like, oh, no, 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 no. No, 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 no. I'm not going to go tell him. Don't you know that they've been looking for you? He's been, you know, Ahab had his whole crew of bounty hunters. You know, he has his own set of Mandalorians or whatever. Going, and I'm, that's tongue in cheek. There wasn't Mandalorians back then. But you know what I mean? It's like he's got all these people that are going out all through the place trying to find Elijah. Whenever they came back, I couldn't find him. They had to swear an oath to the king. By whatever nation they were from. Say, no, no, he's not here. Right? And he's like, and, and you're going to tell me to go there? And when I go and tell the king, Elijah's here to see you, that the spirit of God's going to whisk you away? Cause, cause he can't even fathom how Elijah hasn't been caught yet. And what is, what this really teaches us, I think this is so important, is that you and I, you need to trust God in your circumstances. You need to learn how to trust God in your circumstances. Because in a lot of ways, Obadiah had been doing a great job trusting God in his circumstances. And now Elijah shows up and Elijah says, go tell Ahab that I want to see him. And Obadiah is like, whoa, no, 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 no. Because if I tell him that you're here to see him and the spirit of God whisks you away or you don't show up, he's going to kill me. And I think 
what's really important for us is what I am always learning, and I see it in my own life. It's really easy for me to trust God in everyone else's circumstances, just not in my own. Did you ever notice that? Someone comes and they talk to you about their situation, and you have this great godly biblical advice. You know, like, like listen, man, you know, we really got, I really got into it with my family, and, you know, and we really had a heated argument. You're like, oh, you know, listen, listen, just forgive them apologize for your part, you know, and you have all the best advice. But then when you have a fight with your spouse, forget it. You'll never apologize. Stop it, right? It's really easy to trust God in everyone else's circumstances. It's really easy to trust God in someone else's crisis. But God actually wants us to learn how to trust him in our own circumstances, in our own crisis, right? And again, because Elijah has shown up and because God has spoken, Elijah is going to talk to Ahab, but Obadiah is scared that Elijah's not going to follow through. And, and what's beautiful is Obadiah even makes his, a case for himself. He's like, haven't you heard what I've done? I fear God. When Jezebel was killing the prophet of the Lord, I was protected. Did you hear that about me? He, and, and he's almost trying to plead his case. And here's what I want to remind you. Your faithfulness yesterday and your trust of God in yesterday's crisis does not necessarily mean you're trusting God in today's crisis. Each day, the troubles of the day are sufficient for itself. And so when you show up into your situation today, how are you doing? Trust me, maybe last week, last year, you went through this big thing, and then you stood strong on the rock. But today, in today's crisis, you're freaking out, just like completely coming undone. You know, we've seen it with, with the quarantines that we've had. I've talked to so many people who have just kind of lost their marbles in the midst of it, right? They were doing great, and then all of a sudden it's like, boom, they fall apart. And I'm not knocking it. It's real, you know? But really, trusting God is something that we have to do every single day. And it's not like when we're falling apart today, we think, well, Lord, I trust, I trust God so much yesterday. I always know when I'm not trusting God because I'm freaking out. Inside, it's like, I'm like that duck. Maybe I'm looking cool and calm on the outside because I'm a pastor. I'm supposed to be so godly. But on the inside, the feet are going like this and I'm, you know, really worked up and anxious and worried. And in some ways, you know, I, I appreciate in our story here, this man Obadiah's vulnerability. Like, I appreciate him just being like, look, he's like, this is not a good scene for me. If I go tell Ahab that you want to see him and you don't show up, I'm a dead man. I don't want to be a dead man, right? I want to make it through this. And, and I've done everything I know how to do to try and honor God. I've, I, I've provided for these prophets who I saved their lives. You, you, haven't you heard I fear God? And Elijah's like, no, listen. And, and notice what he says, verse 15. Elijah says, as the Lord of hosts lives before whom I stand, I will surely present myself to him today. Haven't we heard that before? As the Lord lives before whom I stand. Now, again, I don't want to just jump over it because it's so deep. The prophet Elijah says, as God is alive right now, you know, the God of all hosts, the God of all creation, he calls him. When he's talking to Ahim, the God of Israel, Lord God of Israel. As God lives before whom I stand, I promise I'll get that thing done. Now, I'm not saying we should take oaths in the Lord's name. But again, because God lives and because we stand before him, we should be people who are yes is yes and our no is no. We should be people of honor. We should be people who do what we say 
say what we're going to do. We should be okay when we fail to say, yeah, I failed in that. And I'm going to try and seek to make that right. Jesus is Today, Pastor Daniel asked you to consider how you respond when you're blindsided. What do you do when everything feels like it's falling apart and life is uncertain? Are you trusting God to be enough to walk you through? Are you willing to do hard things and take scary steps because you know that Jesus is real and he's with you? Pastor Daniel reminded you that choosing trust and faithfulness is something you need to do every day. Hey everybody, I want to invite you to join me in reaching people with the message that Jesus is real. Would you pray about partnering with us in the ministry of Jesus is Real Radio? Your support in this way helps us to keep sharing God's word and helps us reach more and more people. Thank you for considering partnering. Find out more at JesusIsRealRadio.com. Next time on Jesus is Real Radio, Pastor Daniel will investigate what it looks like to speak the truth to those in power. Looking at Elijah's story, you'll discover that he was able to stand up to the people in power because he cared more about God's opinion than man's. Pastor Daniel will share that this doesn't mean you yell at people, even when speaking with authority. Your words should be marked by humility and kindness. You've been listening to Jesus is Real Radio with Pastor Daniel Fusco of Crossroads Community Church. Pastor Daniel will continue teaching through his series called Crisis. Until then, may God bless.